Welcome back to our last episode of the year. One more time, let's get in our buggies and ride off into the sun of Amish romance. Music here. That was your whole intro? Wow. Yeah. I was going to keep it. I wanted to get right in it. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. Hey there, romance nerds. Welcome back to another episode of Raging Romantics. I'm Jen. I'm Jackie. And this podcast is brought to you by Northern Onondaga Public Library. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about all things related to Romance Landia. With that being said, please be aware that sometimes our material may be a little too sensitive for younger listeners. If you need to wait until they go to bed, we'll still be here for you. So without further ado, are you ready, Jen? Oh, I'm ready, Jackie. All right. Let's rage! Um, so I don't have a joke today, <gasps> but I have a funny story. Okay, well, see if I accept that. Okay. So I was reading the Amish romance books at the desk today. Oh, good while job. I was, because Obviously working. I procrastinated heavily. It's, mm-hmm. it's work-related. Yeah, okay. I can do it at <laughs> work. I don't know if you should admit this on work podcast. <laughs> Mandy, don't yell at me. I swear I was working. But um, You were so, doing notes. Yes, I was making notes for mm-hmm. our podcast. Yeah, I did that today. Um, but <laughs> I had on on the desk, it was the Amish cover. It's a very clearly an Amish woman on the cover From of the, the 90s by Beverly Lewis. Like mm-hmm. very clearly somebody who is Amish. The original publishing. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's like sitting up at the desk. And I kept thinking to myself, I'm so like... I feel like I am doing something naughty by having what? an Amish <laughs> romance book at the desk. An Amish book, really? <laughs> because I don't know. It was just like, it's such a complete antithesis from what I normally read <laughs> that I'm like, is this how people read when they have like shirtless men on the cover of their books so at the desk? If this had been Ruby Dixon, you would have been just like, la di da, about yeah. my day, having fun. Yeah. But it's the shun- the shunning. I'm like, I you don't have want a problem. People, I don't want people to know I'm reading Amish romance oh my books. God. Oh my God. Do they think I'm like, like Amish lover? One of the only benefits to these books is that you're supposed to be able to leave them around without worrying. I and know. here you are worrying. I know, but it was like, it was such a weird, like, complete mind mess that I was like, what the heck is going on with me right now? This is probably why the other side thinks we're, the smut has rotted our brains. <laughs> but no, literally, it was sitting up at the desk. I was like, oh my God, people think I'm reading like Amish romance at the desk. What How the embarrassing. Heck? They know I'm reading Amish romance. <laughs> they might know that you just read about him um, untying her cup very cup. gently. Cup. Cup. Whatever. It's stupid. <laughs> I can't even joke about it because I'm like, they don't have buttons. They don't have they zippers. Have buttons. No, they don't because that was a big deal. That was a big deal in The Shunning where it was like, we don't wear buttons because the, the fake Amish person has buttons on the dress. The, all the Amish I know have buttons. They have pins, I think. I'm, I'm making a face right now. now. You can't see it, but I'm making a face. I don't think I know there's buttons. No Velcro. Buttons are frowned upon because of their potential for ostentation. I remember that because it was like a military uniform thing back in the day. Because they were like, yeah. oh, if you have too many buttons, it's going to look too fancy. Well, that was a really inspirational tale of your embarrassment for very strange things. <laughs> I want to thank you guys for joining us for our final episode of the oh, year and you. our last ever covering Amish romance. I almost made a sad face, but I was like, oh, no, never mind. <laughs> I promise. My curiosity has been sated and I will never subject Jackie to this ever again. Thank you. I can promise you, Jackie, we will never read another Amish I don't even think we're going to read a Christian. I think this was it. This was well, our, our yeah. forte. I've like ventured. I have like Melody Carlson that I'll read. And mm-hmm. she does like sweet and 
sometimes Christian, but it's not like overt Christian. It's not going to be as overt as this has been. I have learned everything I wanted to learn. And listen, again, if you like Christian romances, if you like Amish romances, I'm glad you found a book you liked. Every book a reader, every reader it's book. I guess I'm just going to say that in every single episode now. Yeah, probably. Um, Should get it on a (laughs) t-shirt. Ooh, that's a good idea. On on a bag, on a pin. We like pins. Mm -hmm. Um... But yeah, just uh, just it's, it wasn't for Jen and I, and we'll talk about that. <laughs> I think I was more fair towards it than you, though. I don't yeah. know if it's because like I picked it, so I have to be more like, oh, but it's okay, it's okay, Jackie, it's okay. I didn't want to be that stupid of picking a terrible thing. <laughs> but it's just like I said before, this stuff is not for us. Yeah, and that's okay. Like and not, we're not everything has to be for us. We are not the demographic they're no. reaching for. It's just Maybe not by extension, and they're hoping to reach for us, but. It's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to happen. I'm sorry. Yeah. But let's talk today. We are going to focus on the book that really brought Beverly Lewis and Amish Romance closer to the mainstream. Never in the mainstream, but close, closer. The Shunning. Mm. I will admit we probably should have read a little more widely, mm. but I really wanted to do a deep dive into what seems to be one of the foundational books of the subgenre. Obviously, we can't really sum up the entire industry based on one series. Right. But it seems like this is a really important work, and it's a good blueprint for other Amish romance books. As always, yell at us at RagingRomantics at Nopal.org if you don't agree. Yeah. And hey, speaking of Nopal, thanks so much to Northern Onondaga Public Library for letting us ramble into some mics about one of the most controversial and important genres out there, romance. We hope you guys have learned a lot from us this year and if you ever have any questions, suggestions, comments, thoughts, or whatever else about romance, you can always email us, call us, or even come on down to the library and uh, visit us in person. If you're one of our romance nerds who lives outside of our service area, go ahead and find your own local library. I promise there should be at least one librarian who loves romance like we do. Or at least one person who works there. (laughs) Even if they're not a librarian, somebody is obsessed with romance at that library. And if they're mean about it, give us their names and uh, we'll yell at them for you. We'll call you. them up. We'll be like, You are not being a good librarian right now. I'll send them a keychain that says Proud Smut Reader on it. <laughs> Any housekeeping before we got to get started? Uh, I don't think so. We have some exciting news at the end of this episode. Oh my god, why? Where are we? Only well, first of all, we should not be oh my god in respect to the Amish. Mine got <laughs> <laughs> that's too bad, too. Jen, Jennifer. I found spicy Amish. Oh my god, you did? Like new? I, I found spicy Amish romance. That's hard to say. <laughs> like something outside of 2006? Yeah. When it was first the thing? It came out in 2018. Oh, okay. And it's on Kindle Unlimited. But did you actually read it or is this like a I trick? I downloaded it today. Okay. Um, um, I don't remember what it's called. Hang on, I'm I pulling it I thought it was it like Katie's Heart or something. It Amish is. Heart. Amish Heart. There we go. It sounded really stupid. It's the first one of the series, but you know what? It's spicy Amish. How do you know, though? I still think it's a trick. It says erotic romance. But what if it's erotic and like, oh, it was revealed. Feel God's love it kind was, of a thing. No, it was reviewed as this is really spicy. Oh, okay. Well, all right. So, as long as the reviews are real. And then I found another one. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look around the vicinity. Oh, because I found another one where she was on her way home. This is a non-con situation. Uh, she was oh, there's on her dark way romance? home. She was Whoa. on her way home in a snowstorm, and she couldn't get a ride. Yeah. So a guy picks her up on the side of the road, totally safe. Like guy an English up. guy or an Amish guy? <gasps> when she meets him, she thinks he's English because he's driving a car, yeah. and he spanks her. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. And then he takes her home, and he turns out he was like a prodigal son of the community member, and he's <laughs> coming back to the faith, but he's into spanking. 
I don't even know where to go off that. We definitely did not cover those books. <laughs> and Jen was <laughs> speechless for like two seconds. What? It's just against everything I've been reading about for the last month. Because oh, this and stuff found, is not popular. I did find gay Amish because mm-hmm. that was one of the obvious glaring yeah. holes in the, that community is mm-hmm. there's no really queer Amish romance. Yeah, it's so weird Beverly Lewis doesn't want to talk about that. Yeah. Wow. Wanda Brunstetter does not have any lesbian Amish. <gasps> Listen, there are enough quote unquote spinsters in that community that <laughs> yeah, some stuff's of them going on. So, you know. It's too bad there's no subtext. <laughs> Maybe they put it in by accident. That's usually how it goes. Um, oh, I did have some follow-up things from the last. Oh, yeah? So, adoption. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Amish do adopt. Yeah. And they will adopt multicultural children. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's all in a very weird light. It just the way they talk about it is kind of like... We accept everyone into God's Oh, we're colorblind? We're colorblind. That's the word they use. I don't like that word. I mean, granted, they're going to be like 20, 30 years behind the times. True. Well, literally, they're in the 1800s. They're very behind the times. (laughs) It's a dumb thing to say. But, yeah, that doesn't surprise me that they they feel that way. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that they foster, though. That is true. They do foster. I was surprised by that because I'm trying to picture being raised as Amish for like five years until you get either back to your birth family or or go somewhere else and that must be a very interesting i don't know like (laughs) i don't even know like i don't know what to compare it to that would be crazy i think to grow up amish for a year and then go back to the it's like the english world so one of the other things i personally wanted to follow up on was like taxes and social (laughs) security because i'm genuinely curious Mm -hmm. um amish do pay taxes state and federal income taxes sales Mm -hmm. and real estate taxes and public school tax they are exempt from paying social security tax because of course they don't pay into social security because it's a form of insurance and therefore it is Mm -hmm. not part of their faith they have health care they believe in like community health care so they do fundraisers if somebody needs like a major operation or needs to have a stay in the hospital they um have community fundraisers that Mm -hmm. they'll do and everybody puts into the pot sort of Mm -hmm. thing i thought it was interesting that hospitals used to have special rates for amish people like 20 years ago and they used to have more yeah i read it from another article interesting and there were more scholarship options for them and then i think healthcare just got so insane for everybody yeah i think today when they talk about oh we give the amish like 80 percent of cuts it's like well you're probably giving them closer to what those services actually cost instead of the yeah. the inflated rate you give insurance companies yeah. so it's not like you're really like oh man you're really nice look at the how nice you were to the amish oh like shut up, <laughs> shut up. All right, so one of the other ones I wanted to follow up on was Mm -hmm. I questioned laws and, like, Amish laws. Do they follow laws? So they do um, respect governing authorities. Mm -hmm. Um, However, they obey God rather than man, and that is in their verse. So they do follow the Ordnung, which we'll talk about pretty heavily, I think, in this episode. Um, So they follow the Ordnung, which means they follow church law, and Mm -hmm. there is specifically a head church leader, Mm -hmm. which I don't remember the name. Isn't it just the bishop? The bishop, yeah. yeah. Or he has. Some, I mean, I'm sure it's a German he's got name. A German name. I don't remember you, what it is. Neither of us are going to pronounce it. Correctly. No. <laughs> so I think the bishop is saved. Yeah, and he is the one who pretty much he interprets God's will yeah. and um, says how they should live their lives and makes the final call and mm. all that sort of stuff. And they all respect that, but they do also respect outer authorities. They respect yeah. the police. They will respect local and state laws. When you say respect police, is it like a Blue Lives Matter thing, or it's just like, oh, if you tell us to? Yeah, if they they follow. Okay the law if they're mm-hmm. told that they have to it's weird because when i was googling myself i kept seeing amish trump people oh 
Yeah, I did not want to look into it because I didn't want to know. I decided like I could put that out of my mind. But no, apparently there there are some Trump fans out in the Amish community. I was kind of like, well, you're trying to be removed. Yeah, I, I guess that was weird. They're, maybe they're new order. Maybe yeah, I thought that because there's so many different orders. I can't believe old order would ever care. No. And like, that's something we'll talk about today, too, is there's, like, different spectrums yeah. of being Amish. Um, of course, Old Order is kind of what you think of as the pure, strict 1889 Amish. But yeah, I just wanted to follow up on those couple of things because I thought that was a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do also want to say one of my big issues I had last time yeah. was the practice what you preach, like yeah. I kept saying. <laughs> and a couple other people did bring this up um, mm-hmm. in relation to cultural appropriation being leveled against authors, but mm-hmm. it's not really been leveled against no. Amish authors. I think because it is, quote unquote, godly. Okay. To a degree. And they aren't doing it. Mm. Maybe we'll just cut this part out. They aren't doing it from like a harmful point of view. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Well... <laughs> I think the biggest thing is the fans don't care. Yeah. Like, when you think about the people that get those kind of accusations, like, leveled against them, it's, like, people who care about that stuff and want to make sure they're doing the right thing. Yeah. I don't see that audience caring. So, one of the, there was a really good, there was this really good quote from the Globe and Mail that was like, Mm. um, of course, even if the Amish did find their portrayal in these books objectionable, they'd be unlikely, given the technology issuing part of their faith, to take to Twitter to complain about it. Oh, that too, yeah. They'll just complain to each other, but it's like, the USA Today is not going to interview old Ebenezer about how Beverly Lewis handled the bu- the bishop. You know? And since there are virtually no Amish authors, it's hard yeah. to make the claim that Amish voices are getting drowned out by non-Amish ones. Yeah. Because they mm-hmm. aren't writing. Yeah. There's like two authors I think we found mm-hmm. that were. I but. appreciate the argument because I think it's a really important argument to have in 99.9% of cases, but I wonder if we're kind of off the mark when it when we're directing it at the Amish genre. Yeah. i just wondering if... I'm, I feel like there's more... There's different things to be concerned about with the the subgenre as opposed to appropriation. Yep. I do just want to make it clear, again, for – and I think the audience that I want to make it clear to is not listening to this (laughs) podcast at all. But do not judge the Amish people and the Amish faith and the Amish beliefs on what you read in these romances. Oh, yeah, that, definitely. No. Yeah. Because it's not – True at all. I was going to mm-hmm. come up with like a really word for true and then you I couldn't. What? So <laughs> I feel like probably the culture parts are true. Yeah. The religious beliefs. I'm going to say. So there was not. one of the big issues. So I read a current like a 2020 Amish Christmas book, yeah. <laughs> which first off Christmas. Uh. Mm. Um, but also they kept quoting the Bible, mm. but they were using King James yeah. quotations. Mm-hmm. The Amish have their own Bible. Yeah. They don't use the King James. Mm-hmm. So. That's why there's so many orders of Amish. Red flag number <laughs> one. 23. <laughs> I guess like anything else, the Amish are not a monolith, but I feel like they're pretty close. Yeah. More than other groups. Yeah. <laughs> but um, those were my follow-ups from last time. Oh, okay. I did have one last one. Are you sure? One yeah, more? Yeah. This is not related to the Amish. It's the, it's the golden age theory. Okay. I kind of misquoted it a little bit and generalized a little mm-hmm. bit. I'm not going to get into it. Um. I put a link for what the Golden Age, how it was viewed in the time, so in the Roman and Greek time mm-hmm. periods. If you're curious about that, please go to that link and click it so that all my classicist friends don't yell at me. Thank you. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Welcome to my TED Talk. <laughs> well, do your classicist friends want to know about the shunning? Probably not. No, they don't. Nobody does. <laughs> 
But we are going to get into it anyway because okay. I wrote a page summary. So you you're did. welcome you for did. condensing it that much. So we're going back to like our this, uh, our old episodes. Just where for we a little bit. A book discussion. I wouldn't say it's exactly like that because I have a lot of thoughts and I think we're going to use this as a jumping off point yeah. to talk about the themes of yeah. Amish romance in general as opposed to just like... Well, this was super weird. And again, this is just a drop in the bucket. But based yeah. on um, the other couple of Amish books I've glanced mm-hmm. through, they all track very similar. And I'm saying that very carefully because I know you could argue that for a lot of romance. And I don't want to yeah. be one of those people that I don't want to be like on the opposite side of the people I hate. Yeah. Right? I mean, every book has hopefully a different plot and all that. But there was mm-hmm. a lot of just like similarities. I was like, oh, yeah, I see that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I saw that. While I was reading this, I was thinking, oh, this is like the argument people make about romance yep. in general. Yep. Of like, yep. when it's something you don't enjoy, it is really like, oh, God, I can read this once and I'm good. It's like I had the ending figured out all the way at like page yeah. 10. Mm-hmm. So. I was surprised by a little bit. Some of it, obviously, duh. But all right, we'll get into it because okay. I do want to tell you my my little surprises. Okay, Jen, take it away. So for those who do not want to read the Shanane, you know, fair enough. But I will say it wasn't bad. I'm going to say that. What did you rate it on Goodreads? I gave it a two. Oh, so did I. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it wasn't bad enough to give it a star. My problems were it's not for me. So like the religious sentiment just was. Right. I'm never going to like that. I no. can't do it. I also thought that as predictable as maybe it could be at times, when you strip away a lot of the, the stuff I didn't like of like the religious sentiment and how long it took to get to the point and some other issues, I'm like, you know, this is really a story about a girl trying to figure out her way in the world and like where does she belong? Who is she really? And that's a very universal story yeah. that some, yeah, even me, 30-year-old millennial everything weirdo, like I'm like, okay, I can, I can see that story. Like yeah. I get that. There's a lot about adoption in yeah. there that I thought was it's valid still, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people I know who didn't know they were adopted yeah. um, feel that same way. So I think if you give it a chance, there's still stuff in there for you, even if it's not quite. Listen, I forced my for way you. through it. You have to too. <laughs> okay, it's not bad. Like once you get for, past the first half, which is bad. <laughs> there were parts first of third. it. Yeah, so I gave it two stars, too. Mm -hmm. Two stars as well. Sorry. (laughs) Um, And that was mostly because I hated the writing style. Mm. And like I said, I had the plot picked out in, like, the first ten pages. I knew it was going to happen. I knew how it was going to end. Well, for the people who do not want to read it and don't know the plot already. Spoiler alert for the next five or so (laughs) minutes. (laughs) Katie Lapp is a 22-year-old Amish woman who is about to marry their community's widowed bishop. While sewing her wedding dress, she wants to see what her mother Rebecca's looked like, so she goes up stairs to the attic and finds this very fine satin baby dress with the name Catherine Mayfield embroidered on it hidden in a chest oh boy it's super weird because the Amish don't do things like that satin and shiny yeah what's this fancy dress doing here and who and who is Catherine her name is Katie it's not Catherine oh this girl could be her mom just faints when Catherine asks about it Oh, there's a little slip there Oops. <laughs> to give you the plot you probably already knew. Oops. Can you pick it <laughs> so, uh, up? So no help there, and the dress disappears when she tries to find it again. Yes. But you know what? There's no time to worry about it. She's got to get ready for the wedding and prepare to be a mother to the bishop's four kids. Mm-hmm. Except, mm-hmm. hey, no, she can't stop thinking about it. It's all that's on her mind leading up to the wedding. There's always been a part of Katie that longed for fancier things, to not be plain, and what life might have been like outside of her community. 
She likes music. She, she plays the guitar. It's a big deal. She had fallen in love with Dan Fisher, who had encouraged her love of music and thinking outside of the community's rules. She has been lost since he drowned. Uh, nobody found. Hmm? But, you know, he drowned and died. Hmm? So she's especially determined to put the music away, the flights of fancy, and she wants to settle down and be a good community member and a submissive wife to Bishop John. Jackie's choking. <laughs> but you know what? It's just not working. She keeps humming. She keeps strumming on a secret guitar. And the dress will just not leave her mind. All very, very sinful, apparently. Mm. Uh, her father finds out about her secret music and demands she confesses and repents before she falls further into sin. She promises no more and tells the bishop she won't sing again and destroy her guitar. She does not. I can just. She, she hides it in the hayloft. Yeah. Go, girl. Things come to a head when a strange woman in a limo is seen in town asking for a woman named Rebecca who would have had a baby 22 years ago. So weird. That's a lot of people in town, however, which I thought was funny. For like, was oh, like, yeah, oh, I don't know. Rebecca we know like, a, Rebecca B, yeah, we Rebecca know, like C. 20 Rebeccas. <laughs> but eventually she gets a letter into the right hands who gives that to Katie's mom. In it, we find out the truth that most of us had already guessed. Katie was adopted from an English woman. Oh. And not even officially adopted. No. I will say, I was kind of wondering while I was reading this, is this going to be some story where she, like, stole Katie? Like, did she oh, kill them all? I didn't even think. Whoa. I don't know. I thought maybe there could be a dark path, because she was just so, like, the mom the entire time is like, I can't tell anybody my secret. I can't tell anybody my secret. Yeah. It's the worst thing I've ever done. Yada, yada, yada. And it's just like, no, you just took a teenager's baby. Yeah. Like, give, like, the willingly, was consensually. Given to you. Yeah. But I was wondering if that was going to be a twist, and I was like, oh, I'm probably not in an Amish romance. They're not yeah. that cool. <laughs> you know. But we find out that Rebecca had delivered a stillborn daughter at the hospital, and Katie's birth mom was a scared teen who decided to give her baby to the Amish couple. She apparently loved the Amish and decided God had sent her a sign that she should give her baby to this family. She is now dying and wants to meet her daughter because she's always regretted giving her up. And the mom is religious as well. Super. Like evangelical, Protestant, not Not Protestant. Not Protestant. (laughs) Okay. Super evangelical. Evangelical. Okay. Sorry. But (laughs) she, the the entire letter is basically just begging Rebecca to let her meet Katie because this has been her life's regret. Yeah. Instead, Rebecca throws the letter into the fire. Yeah, not the best move, Ma. I thought it was funny. Just for all of this, like, oh, Amish are so forgiving and wonderful and great. and uh, Throw it into the fire! (laughs) (laughs) Rebecca had wanted to go to the grave with the secret, but Katie is not giving her a lot of choices because she keeps asking. And the guilt of destroying the letter especially is weighing on her. So two days before Katie's wedding, her mother tells her the truth about the adoption. Mm. Katie understandably freaks out. Oh, yeah, because we're coming up on Katie's wedding to the bishop. Yeah, two days. Two days. A lot of stuff's happening. (laughs) And she's never fully felt Amish, and this just feels like proof that she really genuinely does not belong. Because she also dances when she finds the baby dress. Oh, yeah, and that's a big thing, too. Yeah, there's just a lot about her that is not plain enough. So the wedding arrives. Oh, boy. I will say this. This is where I was surprised, because I did not think that they would get all the way to the wedding without something happening. So the wedding is here now. The Amish are preparing, and that part was actually kind of interesting about how the, the ceremony goes on and, like, all the, the effort that goes into. And her family is just basically hoping this goes well. Yeah. <laughs> They're she, all kind of holding their breath that Katie doesn't do something crazy. She that morning, and they know that something's been going on. Obviously, mm-hmm. the mom knows. Yeah. Because she has – mom hasn't officially told her that she's been adopted yet. Yeah, she has. She did? Yeah, two days ago. Oh, okay. okay. That's what I said. <laughs> Sorry. I think I blanked out well, for a minute I wrote there. it. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, so Katie, like they know everything's been going on. Her family yeah. is just like, mm-hmm. okay, you just need to get through with the wedding. Be a good girl. Yeah. He wants to marry you. Yeah, just take it because you're 22. You're almost old. You're basically our old. If you do not do this, like you're going to get passed over and that's worse. So go be a good mom and figure it out. Whatever. <laughs> so obviously, I think by all of our laughter, you can tell this does not go well. No. Katie sits through the ceremony, just internalizing so much guilt and fear. She feels like she's disobeyed and she shamed God and her fiance and her community. Dan Fisher is still a constant presence in her mind since he was her first love. But she's torn because she's a baptized member of the community. She's made vows already. And it's worse to her people to break those vows than to have never made them at all. Mm-hmm. So there is just a lot wrapped up in her mind right now. But I think Katie just comes to a breaking point because she has all that doubt. And there's just too much on her mind. She just can't go through with this decision. So we get to the objection part of the ceremony, which I was kind of like, oh, that's kind of cool. They, that's interesting. They have the that too. The book I was reading had the objection Yeah, I was like, too. okay, cool. That's nice. Have one more chance for somebody to be like, uh, do not do this. And that's honestly. I object. Honestly, I was kind of waiting for somebody to do that. I, thought, I was waiting for Dan to walk through the Yeah, door. me too. I thought, oh, Dan's going to come here. Instead, I was shocked because Katie herself stands up and says, I am not fit to marry. She does not feel like she is appropriate. Um, she does not feel deserving. She's because very much like, I can't do this to the her bishop. Her husband is the bishop, so he is the church leader of their community. Yeah, like, she can't do this to the bishop. And he had already been married. He had children, so she would have stepped in his mom, as Jen said earlier. Thank you. <laughs> so she just books it out of there. She yeah. runs and leaves. And then comes the part that I loved and also simultaneously oh, really? made me roll my eyes. What part? Oh, the <laughs> so she She's hiding from her family because obviously her family is looking for her, and she takes off her cup. And she like takes down her gorgeous auburn hair, which is so shiny with golden highlights in the sun. I'm like, she probably doesn't even have conditioner. Seriously, (laughs) Um, but she takes it down, and then she's like, she runs her fingers through the traditional center part Mm -hmm. and flashes it to the side in a fancy side part. Yeah, hair is a big deal. Gen Z would have a lot to say about that. <laughs> so this is a huge embarrassment to the family, not just the hair, but, you know, the, the running out oh, yeah. on your wedding. Oh, yeah, and then wedding. she goes into town. Oh, that's She yeah. takes the buggy she into town. She just goes on a whole journey. And she goes and tries on dresses. Yeah. Uh, instead and, of getting married. Yeah, instead of getting married. And she comes back, <laughs> and she goes to her um, sister-in-law's house, sister-in-law and brother. Yeah. And she's, like, her hair is all in knots, and she doesn't have her cop on, yeah, and her hair is out. down. Mm-hmm. And her brother, who I hated, yeah. is, like... What are you doing? You need to put your your cap back on yeah. and be a faithful woman. I mean, the dad does that too. But yeah. the point being, somehow this is a massive transgression. And that I was a little confused by because I guess I didn't get how this was against the rules. I think how it was was that she refused to confess. I got that. But, like, what is she confessing to? All she did was leave her wedding. She was – so from what I understood of it, it was because she was going around without her cap on – she was okay. willfully neglectful towards John, I think I saw in one part. I was kind of wondering if this really wasn't just like John um, flexing some Oh, I think so. You know? I think he got his nose in a pinch. Yeah. Because really, the only twist. thing she had done was lie about the music. So this constant, like, you have to confess, repent, confess, and repent. And everybody, a lot of people had heard her singing That's, and humming in Yeah, town. I guess at that point. I don't know if a lot of people did. Jacob had the little kid. And so did the other little boy, Levi. Levi heard it from, um, oh, I guess he did hear it. Yeah. yeah. There so was like, like a lot of singing she going was humming. on. They knew she yeah. wasn't being completely faithful and godly. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say faithful, I'm not saying like monogamous. I mean like faithful in faith. <laughs> <I think that laughs> um, so I think it was that she refused to confess 
confess <laughs> confess what she yeah. had been feeling and what was going on in her head and everything like that. So not confess so much as sins, but confess like her inner turmoil. Well, I guess that was sin to them, though. Yeah. Any kind of doubt was sin, I think. Yeah. And so. to have these questions. And that was kind of the thing. She couldn't confess or repent. She refused because she because of those questions about herself and the way they practiced their religion. That popped up a lot. And so she was shunned for six weeks because in my research, shunning when it is done Mm -hmm. is for at most six week period. Mm -hmm. And during this shunning, I'm sure Jen had a note on this that I haven't read yet. It's it's, they don't talk to somebody. They don't acknowledge them. Mm -hmm. They can still like live in the house and community, but they Mm -hmm. are like an insular little bubble. It's kind of interesting because they can't the, go to church. That's the way it's portrayed in the book. Yeah. And I don't think it is in real life. That's what I read on my online yeah. research though too was what that's how it was. See, I've read that you can talk to them and you can help them and like feed them, but they can't do it back to you. Mm. Cause there's like a kind of a, you don't want to owe the shunned person, but by helping the shunned person with things, it's supposed to encourage them to come back to the fold. Okay, that makes sense. So there's like some very specific kind of lines in the sand. Yeah, and like they could go to church, but they can't like, um, participate. participate in like mm-hmm. what happens after the sermon. Yeah, which is like the community meal. But I the, think. in the book, though, when they decide to shun her, it is very much like she has to eat in a separate room. They won't look at her. They won't talk to her. They don't acknowledge her. Yeah, she. This was actually a little embarrassing to me. I was like, they don't want to talk to you. Like, stop talking to them. Yeah. Because <laughs> she kept trying to insert herself. And, and like, try she to, tries like... to go and see her friend who has a crush on what, who oh, was her so ex-fiance. Yeah. Um, and... By the way, he's 40. Did I say that? He's 40. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, he's 44 or something. So, like, huge age difference in this, too. Age gap. Like, what? Twice her age. Yeah, yeah that's gross. But, so Even, like... And Mary's tw- two years younger. Oh, that's true. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Mary, like, her friend, when her parents don't let katie see mary mm-hmm. like her parents slam the door and katie goes back out to the buggy <clears throat> her pony cart excuse me and mary like lays her hand on the mm. glass and then just kind of like walks away yeah. slowly so she fades it was very like cinematic yeah. moment that actually comes up in the second book because mary hoped that katie saw that as like the only thing she could say or do mm. was i think that, that's that how it print. came across in the that's first good. book yeah but it's a six-week period and it's kind of like a like a pausing period and Katie is supposed to go to the church and beg for mercy and forgiveness. And it's kind of her chance to do that. Instead, she's still like, no, I can't. I absolutely cannot do this while I have so much doubt. And I have so many questions about the religion itself. And there's a lot about nature versus nurture. Oh, you think so? In this book. Oh, because really of the... Because of the adoption. There's yeah. a lot of the question of does she belong yeah. in the Amish community? Is she mm-hmm. born to be good? All mm-hmm. that sort of stuff goes on. And mm-hmm. I think, at least in my reading of it, okay. that played a no, big No, I mean, part. it does. I guess I... I feel like she would have had those questions regardless, but I can see how the adoption was especially like, oh, I was born to, yeah. like, I'm not a part of the Amish by blood, you know? Yeah. So eventually there's a point when her family is away from the house and it's just Rebecca. Rebecca reveals her last secret, the information in the letter she burned. So this finalizes Katie's decision to just leave her community and her home and find her birth mother before she dies. She cleans the house one last time packs up, takes the dowry money her mother offered her, and goes off on her own. Because the dowry was money from her birth mom. Yeah, and then they invested it, and they took it out of the bank as, like, a a gift to... A dowry. Yeah, exactly, to Katie and the bishop. So, since she didn't get married, the bishop did not get the money, and she is able to go off and rent a room from some Mennonite friends, and 
uh, make a lot of long distance calls in the the second book and you know get a train to or a bus rather so 1990s i know <laughs> meanwhile <gasps> a letter arrives at daniel's sister's house that reveals daniel has been alive all this time daniel <gasps> is dan her childhood lover yeah which they did kiss oh my god we didn't talk about the kissing well we we're going to because okay. i have a whole thing about that okay Jackie. sorry go ahead <laughs> carry on no that's basically it he's coming back to the community yeah, and in then, the letter, yeah, and, and then that is how the first book actually yeah. ends. Yeah, mm-hmm. is the reveal that oh hey, this She's body that they New keep York mentioning City. is missing, is coming back alive. And he's like, oh, I'm coming back home. I just want to see everybody. How's Katie doing, yeah. by the way? <laughs> All right, that's it for now. And then Katie's like, I'm off to New York mm-hmm. City to meet my birth mother. So it's not a lot of stuff, but it's enough that it fills up like. I was two hundred eighty-two pages. Yeah. I, <laughs> How long is mine? I have the smaller paperback. Yeah, you had the original. 282. Yeah. yeah. Roughly. Um, I was tiny font. <laughs> I was surprised that it was the same characters in a trilogy. Mm-hmm. I expected it to be like almost every other romance book. Or oh, it's like a different couple every mm-hmm. book. Yeah. So that That's was kind of surprising. I was really hoping the brother died and the sister-in-law would get a new better husband. <laughs> you know, I think he probably would have been okay, but just like usual older brothers. Patriarchy. Yeah, exactly. We'll okay, talk about that. I do want to say I yeah. loved it made me giggle mm. and I know it wasn't coming from a good place but before the wedding when the dad sat everybody down for a family oh, yeah. meeting <laughs> <laughs> to be like this is how we're not going to screw like, up guys we're not going to screw up this is what time we're going to do this this is what time we're going to do this mm-hmm. and I was like that I can see that yep. that was great. And I want to mention again, I did kind of like this. Like, I got really tense, and I definitely could not put the book down when it was getting closer and closer to the wedding, because I kept thinking, like, how is she going to get out of this? How is she going to get out of this? I really did not see it going all the way to the wedding, and Katie making that choice herself, uh, getting herself out of it in that way. Yep. And it reminded me, because I read this one quote Beverly Lewis said about how her character is always the girl with her hand on her hip kind of standing apart from the rest of the women at the Amish gathering. And she's like, that's my character. It's that character that's kind of rebellious and headstrong and stubborn. And it's just like a little outside oh, of the norm. Oh, and she's a redhead too, by the way. Yeah, I know. I mean, the redhead thing is a weird trope. The other book I read, Amish. she was a redhead too. I was mm-hmm. like, okay. But I kind of got that reading this book. I was like, okay, Katie is definitely outside of the, the Amish norm. Even yeah. though she so desperately wants to be part of that norm until the very end. Yeah. So, Jen, yeah. before we get into anything else, as you flip through your notes, <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about, because the trilogy doesn't end with Katie being Amish. It does not. It Spoiler alert. It ends with her being a Mennonite, mm-hmm. which I gather is kind of a common it theme is. in a lot of these. I, From what I've read... And again, I've only read the two. Sorry, guys. But all of my research about Amish romance says that it is a very common ending because it's kind of like a best of both worlds kind of a thing. It, like yeah. you get like the cultural aspects of the Amish. So less tech, but, you know, maybe some it's like electricity, but maybe no phone. But you get the evangelical religion with yeah. aspects of the Amish culture. Yeah. So it's kind of a perfect marriage for a lot of the evangelical writers. And I'm reading the second book now, and she is fully English at the moment. She cut her hair. She's wearing makeup. She's wearing fancy clothes. She's um, You find out Laura, her birth mother, is super rich, so she's living in a mansion at the moment. Actually, Laura dies in the second, and she leaves everything to her daughter. 
So she's very much English in the second book. And I have a feeling the third book is about her kind of going back to her roots. Back into the faith with Daniel. Because we find out in the second book she's still not happy. Yeah. Of course. Even though she had been dreaming about being English and all these fancy things forever and wondering what it would be like. Now that it's here, I think it's going to feel a little hollow. Mm. Because she's still yearning for home. Right. So I think it's something that a lot of authors do as a solution to kind of that problem. Because they will deliberately start the heroines out on kind of like the most strict old order old order kind of amish and the concept like i said last time is known as kind of like the anabaptist elevator where the children as they kind of grow up they start moving out to more progressive more permissive levels of those sorts of religions so that's kind of how she ends up mennonite in the very very end Mm. especially with daniel because daniel already has converted to mennonite yeah spoiler alert he is very very alive yes it is a very stupid plot honestly that part i was like beverly what are you doing like don't do that it felt very melodramatic he faked his death because he didn't want to tell his dad about not wanting to be a farmer so somehow he gets into college and becomes an architect and he works for this mennonite family and he had already had all of these thoughts and questions and beliefs about mennonites and a more evangelical kind of um relationship with god so Rather than risk telling his family that and being shunned, he's just like, well, I got into this really bad storm while I was sailing. I'm just going to let them think I was dead. And it's a very convenient thing. (laughs) That's basically it. So, yeah, they all they all become Mennonite together. Yeah. It's just it's interesting to me. And I might go off a little bit here. I'm going to try not to go for it. But it's such a foil of the Amish versus the English Mm -hmm. culture. Right? How pure and perfect and pastoral and pious Amish mm. life is, how like beautifully churchly it is, and how disgusting and modern the rest of the world is. You know, the English with yeah. dancing and guitars and <laughs> houses humming. full of gadgets and gimmickry. That's a direct quote, by the way. Yeah. Um, and it's nothing like the peaceful, tranquil, quote unquote, world that the, the Amish, Amish live in. Mm-hmm. I just find it so ironic that the authors are, you know, continuously saying how perfect this this Amish world is in these books. And it's really just like every other society where they have their issues, they Mm -hmm. have their flaws, they have their dirty laundry behind closed doors. I mean, Cosmo just came out with a huge piece that kind of blew up a lot of things back, I think, in January of this year. Um, I can't read it because I don't subscribe to Cosmo. But I read all the (laughs) – they won't let me read it online. (laughs) I just love how you're quoting something you didn't read. No, I read all of the reviews. Like, everybody who was quoting it and discussing it in Psychology Uh Today did a piece on it. And it was all about, trigger warning, sexual abuse in the Amish community Mm -hmm. and incest in the community. And Mm -hmm. it was, like, it was an actual Mm -hmm. case study that was done. So, it's not perfect, like, these authors are making it out to be. But then also... It's ironic because the characters don't even half the time end up being Amish. They end up being Mennonite Mm -hmm. or Quaker Mm -hmm. or something that is not old order Amish. Mm -hmm. So why are they making such a big deal out of painting the Amish culture in this perfect rosy light when they end up not even being Amish? I would push back a little bit on that because I think that's what a lot of people do when you write romance is things are just rosier. Like in the last book club book we wrote, we made a really rosy look of murder. Right, oh, yeah, that's right. that was really funny. So. Yeah, I think sometimes <laughs> if that's not really the point of the book, they're not giving. Yes, maybe it's accurate. Yes, maybe they do a lot of research and they have all these Amish friends, but it's probably 
not meant to be an accurate, perfect view of the Amish. Like these authors have been saying, this is a vehicle for them to talk about their faith with. It's the whole aesthetic of the romance It's the whole novel. aesthetic. Yeah, sure. I think, though, what's interesting to me that you've said that is really the rosy views of the Amish we get are from the people outside of the Amish world. Yes. So thinking about Lara, who was so enamored with the Amish who, even though these were perfect strangers to her because she had spent this trip in Lancaster pregnant and because she felt like, okay, I've got to give my baby up for adoption. And, oh, my God, I just love the Amish so much. I think they're so great. I just respect them. So, like, so, oh, boy. And, oh, hey, down the the hallway, there so happens to be an Amish family that just lost their daughter. I'll give them my daughter. Like, the logic of that that's is how that crazy works. to me. Yeah. So it's these outside people that are like, all right, the Amish are great. And then you actually go into the Amish families and they don't really revere themselves as much, I think. Yeah. Like, it's kind of very much like these English people are more the the people looking in. And actually, I see a lot of pushback about the Amish because reading the second book, I, I'm getting these viewpoints of the Mennonite neighbors. Mm-hmm. And they keep wondering, like, why are you doing this to your family? Like, you guys are so weird. So it's not the entire book that's like, oh, yeah, the Amish are great. Everybody loves the Amish. Do, 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 do. And... I will say you do pick up on some of that from yeah. the like the father character. Yeah. I think Beverly particularly wrote in the father character and as the being. brother to be as strict as they were mm-hmm. to kind of show that tension. And I think it's interesting because thinking about it back, the only way we ever saw Samuel's love for Katie was through Rebecca's eyes. Yeah. Right? Because it's always yeah. Rebecca having like these mo- these internal moments of, oh, he's stern, but he loves her so much. That's true. But then we go through Katie's eyes and it's like... <sighs> I don't get any sense of that whatsoever, aside from just being a very strict, overbearing father. Father, until we get kind of those. Who's not our father? That scene. Yeah, I know. Until we get those scenes with Rebecca where she's like, well, he is so strict because he loves her so much. And like, you know, he's her. Yeah, that's a good point. So it's it's interesting. I. Yes, absolutely. I think they romanticize the Amish to a ridiculous degree. I would argue that's just. a bad thing from romance novels in general though because it's not the point of the Amish you know it's the point is the religion yes like the evangelical authors have said over and over and over again from all of our research Beverly Lewis is using this to convert right she wants people to read these stories Mm. and I can say reading the second one where there is a lot of proselytizing yeah a lot of characters talking about can I tell you about my relationship with Jesus Christ it's just not something Amish people do And I feel like a lot of these authors, for all of their talk about loving the slower life with neighbors helping each other and all the food and, oh, it's just so great to be neighborly, you know? You know something? They don't have as much respect for the beliefs. Something that surprised me? What? How obsessed they were with fancy foods. The The luscious jellies. Yeah, and fancy chocolate cakes (laughs) and lemon kuka. Listen, I love lemon Mm -hmm. kuka as much as the next person. Like, mm, yes. But I was, I don't know why that really surprised me. Mm. That they're, I just, I think it's they're so plain in other aspects. Yeah. I'm kind of like, oh, I'm surprised you're not plain. Like, why aren't you not eating graham crackers? Yeah, it's like you're known for your bread and eggs. Yeah, but here you are bringing shoe fly pie to the bishop, Mary. She uh, wants her <laughs> chocolate cookies to just melt in his mouth, and I'm like, let's get a boy close to your age. That's <laughs> a good uh, segue into my next question for you. Oh yeah, the kissing. <laughs> You know they kissed on page but listen, twice. You know what's interesting, though? What? I was thinking about this a lot. I thought about it all night. Okay. Obviously, there's no sex in here. We've talked endlessly about how these are chaste romances for chaste people. Like, there's just never, ever going to be sex. But sex has still seeped in. 
when I think about comments about Katie sharing a bed with the bishop, when I remember the argument that her dad had where he's yelling at her, oh, a woman is not going to be warming the bishop's bed now. Um, just like these offhand remarks about babies, like mm. still very much there. So John is sort of a sinister character at times for all of this. He looks so great. He's respected. He's influenced in the community. He's a good father. His interest ends up making Katie really uncomfortable. If you remember, mm-hmm. he sneaks a kiss with her before they're married. And she's but like, it's so awkward. Exactly. It's not anything enjoyable. She has to tell herself, I'm going to learn to like it. It's something that's so forbidden to even talk about. She can't discuss it with Mary. Mary's the one who brings up, oh, hey, you know, he looks at you like really fondly and he has been for a couple of years. And as soon as Katie presses her on it, she's like, oh, wait, no, I can't. Don't tell anybody I said that. Don't tell anybody I said that. That's so sinful. I can't talk about it. It's like all the bad things happen to people when sex or intimacy is popped up. Mm. Right. So, okay, Katie's mom's getting pregnant as a teen, decides to give her baby up and the decision haunts her entire life. Also, she marries a terrible human being. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there we go. Sex before marriage, teenage, you give up the baby, bad. Daniel and Katie kiss. And sure, it's sweet because they're young lovers. Exactly. He ends up leaving her now that we know he's not actually dead. He abandons her. And then with the bishop, he kisses Katie. It's a very, he has a very intense way about him. His internal monologue is full of like, I can't wait for her to belong to me. I've had my eye on her for a while. <laughs> like when you read his parts in the book. Yeah. And then he ends up getting left at the altar and he turns to a, to a jerk who decides to shun Katie. It just, I, when I looked for them, I saw so much anti-intimacy before marriage sentiments. Yeah. It just felt like they were constantly getting pu- like punished in some way for these kind of physical decisions they made and it was interesting because the other book i read which Mm -hmm. was an amish christmas wedding which is four stories in one and evergreen love by amy clipston Mm -hmm. amy clipston is like a very well-known christian author Mm -hmm. um and in this it it was almost like an antithesis to Mm -hmm. the beverly lewis because it felt very new order very modern very open and accepting and the heroine even feels desire creep down her spine mm. when they kiss. And Katie was so uncomfortable the entire time. Except even with Daniel. Dan- well, but even when she kissed Daniel, she needed to take a walk. Oh, my God. But then it was so cringy afterwards because he was like, I'll show you how to kiss. Yeah. And I was like, Ugh. Yeah, it just felt like it was almost a rule book, I think, for young readers of, okay, this is how you should react when your, your boyfriend kisses you or when anybody kisses you. And, like, look at what happens to the people that have sex before marriage and do these things before marriage. Because I am sure as soon as we get to Daniel and Katie being married, we're good. And maybe that's true of a romance novel. Maybe that's not a fair accusation. But I'm just saying, really, the only happy couple so far is Rebecca and Samuel, her father. Yeah. And they're married. They're very safely married. And sister-in-law and brother are pretty happy. But even then, I have noticed they're... (sighs) This is my own theory. And I I don't know if I should even bring it up because of um, I have not finished the books yet. Just thinking back to some of the sentiments that we see the author putting into the work, I think Beverly Lewis is setting the beliefs up to be especially strict and oppressive for Katie. So Katie ends up moving towards the Mennonite level, like we were talking about with the elevator. Yeah. So it's very common, you know, we start them off with the strictest possible, and then we just really enforce, oh, hey, they really believe in submission to their husbands. I felt like that was thing that popped up over and over again what it's well and it took me a minute because i was meeting 
It's it starts with an M. The submission. Oh, the, I didn't even look up the word, but it just felt like constantly all the time. Katie was being told and was thinking to herself, "I have to be a good submissive wife. I have to show submissive to my husband. I have all these rules to do that." Yada yada. And I was thinking about it for a long time because I was like, you know, that's also kind of an evangelical thing. So I was trying to decide if Everly Lewis was doing this in a negative light or in a light that was like, you know, this is acceptable for everybody. Good job, mm. girls. So what I think is happening though. And again, don't know for sure because I'm not finished the book. I'm really sorry. But I think because the evangelical thing is more framed as it's a complementarian role Mm -hmm. with your husband. Mm -hmm. I think because she's emphasizing so much that, oh, you are submissive. You're lower. You have to respect the authority. I think eventually because Katie is so spirited and stubborn, she's going to want to kind of move up the ladder to the evangelical complementarian role. Where there's still that kind of respect and there's still that kind of leadership, but it's not quite so downtrodden felt. Right. Because thinking about that first book that was ever published about the Amish romance. She's really strafing against that. Exactly. I could see her kind of going back to the 1905 one where the author had really emphasized how Amish women were all about the men. We're there to see the comfort and yada yada. And it was that was a warning to people. So I kind of see that playing out here too with Beverly yeah. Lewis. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Because all the stuff... <laughs> Yes, Rebecca and Samuel seem fine together, but you see all the stuff Rebecca does to make Samuel's life more comfortable. So I think when Daniel does come back and we see how Katie accepts a more progressive role in their life and worries less about submission, we're going to see that elevator move up towards the Anabaptist, the Mennonite level. I would really love to read an Amish book where, yes, and I said I would love to read an Amish Mm -hmm. book where the wife is a terrible cook. That'd be funny. <laughs> and like burns everything. Yeah. Can't cook. I don't think there ever will be because, you know, they start them so young. Like they're rolling pie crust at three. Listen, my sister. <laughs> oh, she can. Cannot cook. Mm-hmm. And she has been cooking mm-hmm. for a long time. So. And it does not usually end up well. She did do a good job on Thanksgiving. I turkey. could see it being like as a humor thing. And then probably as yeah. soon as she gets married, she figures it out. I don't see yeah. them letting her be bad at that or forever. Like her mother-in-law is like, again, the secret. The complimentary role, like the wife stays in the house yeah. and does that stuff. Yeah. So yeah, she's going to be good at it. I want to mention, I'm really super glad I studied Amish romance writing before I ever read this book because I felt like I just picked up on so much more of this stuff. Yeah. And I am glad that we talked about that first because like yeah. I said back before, it's portraying a not true picture of the mm-hmm. Amish. And exactly. I think if we went in not knowing anything about Amish mm-hmm. culture, which like I said, like Jen said last episode, both she and I were raised around. Like around. Yeah, I was close to Lancaster. Like, we at least had interactions with them on mm-hmm. some level. I bought eggs and yeah. all we that Actually, sort of we did. Yeah, we bought fruit too from the Amish. Yeah, pies. Mm-hmm. Really good pies. I can't say I have friends or anything. No. I've, I've been to Lancaster a couple times. I've spoken but like... with an Amish person on a yeah. handful of basis. But um, like... If I had never done the research, I would have been like, oh, I guess this is a good representation of the Amish culture. And I still would say it probably is the culture wise, but it's so evangelical. Yeah. Just looking at but it again, now that still, I know. A lot of like, so do they celebrate Thanksgiving and Christmas? I don't think they do Thanksgiving. They Christmas don't... is very, it's very somber compared to what we do. True. And then they don't use the King James Version. Like the other book mm-hmm. I was reading was talking about them using. And and did you notice too that Samuel is constantly shutting down any attempts Katie has to be yes. closer to God? Yeah. It's constantly like, no, you're too prideful. God is you're not going to listen to you. You're a woman. You're not a head of household. You're, um. You're insane if you think you can have this personal relationship with yeah, God. How dare I you notice. talk directly to him? I like just constantly shutting down everybody. Um, 
and that is ends up being the second half of the book yes (laughs) is we start talking about dan's secret bible meetings they start talking about how you know what i really do feel like i'm just saved i feel like i can just assume that i feel like it's not sinful to assume that i am saved which was a really huge deal and that ends up being a giant bulk of the book Mm -hmm. less so her heritage but it's how is she really meant to worship her god is it the Amish way or is it more like the Mennonites who talk to Jesus like he's their friend, which is a quote from the book. Okay. So I know, like we've said, the series ends with Katie becoming Mennonite as a best of both worlds thing. And Lewis is very much setting the stage for that. Like so, I can see it now that I've researched it. I have a question for you. I love questions. Is this a romance book? I would say so. I don't. My thing is she is so clearly in love with Daniel through the whole thing and because, again, without even knowing the book, I knew he was not dead. So. Yeah, and we know that he's going to end up with her. She's going to end up with him. But mm. here's my thing, yeah. is that if we go back to the basic definition of a romance, yeah. happily ever after guaranteed, which mm-hmm. we know the series is going to end happily yeah. ever after. Like, it's not not going mm-hmm. to. And second, a relationship is central to the plot. It is, though. But it's not, like, central. The plot doesn't revolve around the relationship. I the think- pot, plot revolves. The pot. <laughs> The plot revolves around Katie discovering who she is and Mm -hmm. who she wants to be. But I think that background relationship is so central to her journey. Because he was the one who encouraged the music. He was the one who encouraged all of these kind of blooming thoughts about what God really is and how she should be living. I mean, he is a constant ghost around her. And we already know she's heading towards him. Like, even before we were like... Oh, yeah, he's dead. Sure, whatever. Blah, blah, blah. Like, we knew she was heading towards him in some way. Yeah. I was kind of wondering, too, because sometimes the Amish books will be like, all right, my first love husband died, and now I have to learn to love this widow. Um, I was kind of wondering if we were going in that direction. Yeah, that's what I thought for, for a minute. like the first 50 pages. Yeah. And then after that, I was like, I was oh, like, no, oh, no, this is going to be about Daniel. This is going to be about Daniel. <laughs> he's, he's alive. I will say, I understand, though, why some of the authors get very, oh, I don't think I write romance. I think I write love stories. I get why they like that kind of definition instead and but i think love stories are basically the same as not romance i'm sorry yes i do i believe so as well it it doesn't have to have sex to be a romance and this clearly does not (laughs) um but my thought process behind all that was i don't view this as a romance novel Mm -hmm. i can i can believe it's a love story which okay by (laughs) extension then it's a romance Mm -hmm. i believe the whole series does end up romance yeah but I'm wondering how many Amish books out there aren't actually romance books. They are mm. what if we took if we took the Christian setting out, if we take the religion out, would these just be classified as women's fiction? I know we all hate mm. the term women's fiction, but it's still what's considered or upmarket fiction. I don't know. Let's think about it. Because I think in my brain, I genuinely and this is my own fallacy here, that I genuinely considered every single Amish book out there to be a romance. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, I don't think they all are a romance. I think a Mm -hmm. lot of them are like the other ones, the Christmas Amish Christmas one. Those are obviously romance. Like it's, it's a relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm questioning the books I have on the shelf now here at the library (laughs) as I stare at all of the Amish books. Well, you are allowed to question. I personally, I put it on my romance category. I put the second book under my romance category. I put it on romance. Because I do think it's a romance. I think I put it under flopped. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) But it's funny. I don't know. Sorry, I was trying to get into like something else, but you keep going. It was an interesting window into something completely Mm -hmm. different. I will say, 
I do totally understand now why publishing was so slow to move into Amish, yeah. even after the success of this book. Like we said last time, it has sold millions and millions of copies. I totally get why publishers at first were not like, oh, do they want to read Amish books or do they want to read Beverly Lewis books? Yes. And also, mm-hmm. <clears throat> to combine my last statement, it's not a romance book. Yeah. And what we said in one, in the last episode was readers wanted the complete opposite of the bodice rippers. Yeah. This is that. So, and this is definitely <laughs> that. So, and I can, I can see why this got popular because mm-hmm. it is the complete opposite. It yeah. does. It's definitely marketed towards, you know, the, the Christian community, the Christian readers mm-hmm. who still wanted um plot they wanted tension they wanted questioning and it does have some really good like questioning Mm -hmm. facets to it like the adoption i mean it ends up again being solidified that no the way you believe is right and this character is going to go on a journey that proves that yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. so it's still that but i get why they needed a minute to be like oh this is amish and evangelical that's popular i get it not just beverly lewis yeah because i can say uh I don't think these are tropes I need to reread again. No. <laughs> I am going to read the spicy Amish. Okay, let me know. I will. I mean, I'm curious. I think it's only like 50 pages. Yeah. So, And then I kind of want to read the spanking one. Okay. Well, that just, one I don't want to know about. Just to see. I don't need any more nightmares. <laughs> oh, 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 maybe I don't want to read it. Um, but Jen, so you've said it. Mm-hmm. You don't think you're going to read another Amish? I am going to finish the... Wait, no, I lied. I finished the second book, and I don't know if I have an interest in the third. I think I'm good now. Yeah, because we know what's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, her the mom died in the second one. She gets all the money. Laura, guess, not Rebecca. Laura, yeah. I guess I, I'm kind of curious how she comes back to everything. I don't know. I might skip it. You I can might at least skim it and let us know. Maybe. I might, know. I might cleanse my palate with some blue alien. <laughs> I think I'm done. Oh, well, that's an excellent <laughs> segue. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Um, because, dear listener, Jen and I have something so exciting for you. Oh my god, you. I'm like bursting out of my chair. I literally screamed when I opened this email. It was really, yeah, I could hear it from Bruton. <laughs> Which is like 20 minutes up the road, yeah. by the way. Um, but so January podcast theme i don't that's a really weird way to say january's theme (laughs) this year you might remember last year we talked all about ice planet barbarians we introduced you to the wonderful world of not hoth blue aliens queez spurs ruby dixon faded mates all that beautiful thing all those beautiful things and we are going to venture back into the world yes for january ready because jen and i are going to interview ruby dixon (laughs) Well, not, not, not okay, interview okay, okay, okay. in the strictest sense yes. of the word. So Ruby is an amazing person. She was so quick to answer like my initial inquiry mm-hmm. email to her. Um, she, however, does not feel comfortable on camera. Fair and she enough. doesn't want to like talk to people on the phone, Fair which enough. I hate talking to people on the phone. So I love totally the phone, chill, dude. but I am a weirdo, so I don't blame her for not wanting to talk to me. I don't want like to talk to me I like to talk to people on the phone when I'm driving. <laughs> so Jen can attest to that. Yeah. <laughs> she yells at me for it. But so Just don't we, do it while you're focused on the road. I have Bluetooth. Okay, fine. As long as it's safe. <laughs> but so Jen and I are going to be corresponding with ruby for um december and we're going to be submitting questions to her she's going to answer us we're going to have a conversation so you know an old school interview yeah and we're going to have that interview for you on january's first episode because we're going to talk about aliens all month long because i think we all need an amish palate cleanser (laughs) (laughs) are we doing ice home 
So we're going to talk about Ice Home. Okay. And then in this, and we're also going to get kind of into Ruby's psyche. I'm really curious into how she got into Aliens to mm, begin with. To begin with. Because I think she was one of the first ones to write them. I don't know if she was the first. I mean, we talked in Paranormal about how people had been doing alien yeah. stuff and like Jay and Castle. I but, know she said in some of the author's notes, she's just always had a desire to do like the symbiote romance. Yeah. And just could not figure out a way to do it. And hey, Kindle Unlimited, you know? That's how. And she get away with everything. She actually just released, re-released mm-hmm. Ice Plate of Barbarians with a gorgeous cover. Oh my God, I pre-ordered it. I'm getting her signature. I'm getting the sticker. Oh, you're getting the sticker? I, I was not patient. I went to Barnes & Noble. No, I paid the extra. I'm like, I want to see what she says uh, Vectel looks like. Because it's, it's a Vectel sticker. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't wait to see so, that sticker. I would argue that she definitely helped pop, popularize it. Yes. And I think she is one of the reasons, and I'm saying this without research, but she's probably one of the reasons why we can now say Alien is its own subgenre. Oh, I totally agree. And its agree. own, like, not that she, I think, helped us have sci-fi romance as opposed to putting it under the paranormal umbrella. Yes. I'm saying that without research, so correct me <laughs> if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty it's, confident. I really cannot wait to see what she says. Yeah. So, dear listener, if you have anything you would like to ask the one, the only Ruby Dixon, mm-hmm. uh, um, <laughs> email us, ragingromantics at noble.org, Ooh. and we will make sure it gets included in the very long list of questions yes. we already have for her. I know. <laughs> um, and Ruby, if by some miracle you're listening to this, we love you. Thank you so much. We can't wait to speak with you. We liked you before TikTok. We liked you before it was cool to like you. It was always cool to like you. Yes. I don't know about that, Jackie. Jen and I were see, always you nerds see, for it. You see who's Jen the best one? <laughs> you see who's the best one, Ruby, when you think about who your favorite is? How many times have you ever read the series, Jen? <laughs> I just finished rereading the first one I got. I just was in the mood. I don't know. I need to reread my new copy because yeah. it has a bonus story. I know. I'm really excited to see how she thickens it up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, but that's enough Ruby Dixon. But um, so January 2022. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I can't believe we're saying that. I can't believe it's 2022. Oh my God. I'm going to be 31 next month. I turn 30 next year. I hate you. I want to be 30 again. I don't even feel like. I feel like I was just last Oh my month, God, I your birthday's com- coming up. Yeah. I was just <gasps> complaining about being 30 last year, and now I'm like, oh, I'll remember to say happy birthday to these this year. <laughs> I don't want to think about it. All right. Well. I wish I drank so I can be drunk that day. <laughs> oh, I'm going to cut that out. <laughs> Um, well, thank you guys for another episode. Make sure you listen to the rest of our mini-sodes this month. We're going to wrap up the year in true Raging Romantic style. Mm-hmm. And we can't wait for you to listen to Ruby Dixon. If you have thoughts, feelings, opinions on Amish, if you love Amish and you want to tell us your thoughts, mm-hmm. if you want to be on the podcast, let us know. Mm-hmm. We'll find a third mic somewhere. <laughs> in the meantime, Jen, what do we always say? Rage on! Bye, guys. Bye.